0: So what a great time of year to have a baptism, the beginning of a new year and a new start and baby Elliot, so fresh and lovely with a lifetime of wonderful experiences, relationships, love and joy all ahead of him and he is going to have his own unique role um, and part to play in his time on this lovely planet of ours. So I'm pretty sure that it was luck, not judgment, that brought together his baptism and the lectionary reading today um, that was the baptism of Jesus. But hey, perhaps there's no such thing as coincidence. Reading that story of John the Baptist and Jesus uh, in their young adulthood reminded me of uh, recent stories over Christmas time about the time when Elizabeth, John's mother, And Mary, Jesus' mother, spent three months together when they were pregnant with these two boys. I'm sure that they chatted at the time about their hopes and dreams for their children and what would happen in their lives. And due to the unusual, to say the least, nature of the conception of both of these, uh, both John and Jesus, these mums knew that their boys would have a great and significant role to play in the world. But I doubt that they really knew how much history was going to be affected by their son's lives. So little Elliot is surrounded by engineering and science and creativity at home. So I wonder what his story is going to be. What will be his passion and his driver? How will he use them to contribute to society? How will he make history? So that's the question for all of us today. As we look into the new year ahead of us. Where do we fit into the world and what drives us and motivates us to contribute to the places and communities in which we find ourselves planted? Hopefully our callings won't be as tough as Jesus's or John the Baptist's. I certainly wouldn't fancy eating locusts and wild honey and living in the desert. I think actually, often, we look at other people's lives and think, uh, hmm, that's a bit of a mystery to me. Uh, But that's fine. We have all got our own unique place and role to play. So today's other story is about one of my favourite Bible characters, Nehemiah. It's an absolutely great story in the context of the new year and the new start in life for Elliot that we're celebrating today. We've had a season in St. Luke's of different congregation members sharing inspiration from Bible figures, and he's mine, along with the daughters of Shalom, who I'll get to in a minute. I just love this story of Nehemiah, and I'm urging you all today, right, this is your homework, go home, read this story, it's brilliant, and you don't want to be here all day. Um, So uh, to cut a long story very short... um, the background is that Nehemiah was a Jew in exile after the destruction of Jerusalem. So, Jerusalem, the temple, and the city walls were in ruins, and recent attempts to rebuild this city um, had been thwarted. Nehemiah was working as a servant to the king of Persia, but he had earned the trust and respect of his employer. So, Nehemiah was not a builder, he wasn't an engineer, he wasn't an architect. He was a servant, but he had a passion for his spiritual and ethnic home, and he wanted to make a difference. He had a vision, a sense of calling, a bit of faith, and he acted on it. He was going to get that city wall built, come what may. So Nehemiah went to the king, his employer, and with a cheeky but heartfelt plea for a sabbatical and some resources, His employer gave him the time off, even though he wasn't a Jew at all himself. He gave him the time off, half a forest of trees for wood, and his protection and blessing. Now, if I had been Nehemiah's mum, I would probably have told him he was crazy not to do it. It's a dangerous mission. He didn't have the skills. He wasn't in any kind of position to achieve this crazy ambition to rebuild Jerusalem. But Nehemiah went for it. He was solid, he was brave, and he was a really great manager, gifted with powers of persuasion. He travelled to Jerusalem and showed motivational and inspirational leadership. And he persuaded all the residents of Jerusalem, from the council leaders to the bakers and the blacksmiths, that if they all worked together, they could rebuild. And somehow they did it. In 52 days, that's history says it was 52 days that it took them, which isn't long at all. How did they do it? And this is the thing that I love about this story that's important for us to think about today. Everyone had a part to play. As we heard in our reading, the sons of Hassanah built the fish gate, and next to them, Meramoth made some repairs. Um, it goes on and on. The details are really great though. Anyway, the goldsmiths did a bit next to the perfume makers. Benjamin, somebody, I <laughs> can't oh, sorry. Benjamin just did the bit in front of his house. Some did minor repairs, and some built huge and beautiful gates. Baruch did his bit zealously, we hear. Uh, but the men of Tocoa were a bit grumpy about their bit. But do you know what? They all only had to do a little bit each, right where they lived, side by side, family by family, individual by individual. Everyone in that community put a brick in the wall to rebuild Jerusalem. It wasn't their day job to be builders, but they worked together, and the vision became a reality. And it's here that the daughters of Shalom come in. In these long old stories from ancient times in the Bible, there are so few references to women, but these sisters made the cut. They got a mention that has come down to us through the generations. These women contributed, they dug in, they worked with their dad, they helped their community. They are the only female builders listed in 13 chapters of Nehemiah, but they are there for all of history. So this huge project was completed in 52 days by an unskilled faith and cultural community with a visionary leader with no previous building experience. So I think this story reminds us that we can all contribute to making this world a better place. We don't have to be Nehemiah, the leader. We just have to be ourselves, blossoming right where we're planted, doing the bit that we can manage right in front of us, next to our neighbor, with whoever is, we consider to be family to us, just like the Daughters of Shalom. And I can look around this lovely congregation and see a hundred faces of people who are doing their bit, putting the bricks into the wall right where they are. So to name and shame a few Daughters of Shalom, We've got Rachel Blackmore. I've got to pick on her, sorry. Um, she works full-time. She has a really busy life. But she does an, some amazing behind-the-scenes support on the, to the finance team here at St Luke's, amongst other things. But she has a real vision and a passion for a teeny little charity called Joshua, which works in Malawi to bring better early education to children. Rachel's putting her brick in the wall of the kingdom of God. And there's Judy and Doreen, who are our faithful prayers and participants here. And they go to sing with the older people at Lennox House Residential Home every month, sharing some joy, bringing some love to people with dementia. I like to think that their bit of the wall is a beautiful gate. And so it goes on amongst us. I could go on all day, as you know. I just wanted to add in, actually, the, 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 one of the visions for me doing this sermon was uh, I went to the funeral of uh, one of my f- old school friends from home. Um, uh, her dad died, in, and I went to the funeral in December. And uh, he, he's an inspiration to me. So he committed to one cause for his whole life. So when we were kids growing up, it was always putting on a fundraiser. And he had this vision to build a hospice in Essex, Chelmsford in Essex, where I grew up. And uh, basically, by the end of the 80s, he'd got his first building and it was, it was go. Of course, it wasn't just him, it was a team, but he was a real leader, like, like a Nehemiah figure. And then uh, the funny thing about it, he got the hospice, it was up and running in the 80s. It takes enough just to keep a hospice going. But that wasn't enough for him. He had a big vision. He wanted to build a high-tech, purpose-built hospice for the whole future. And you know what, 25 years later, than the opening of the first door of the first hospice, this amazing new hospice uh, doors opens. And uh, to the day of his death, he was the chair of the hospice movement there in Chelmsford. What an amazing contribution. So, so we don't all have to be like that, we really don't. We've just got to do our bit, but uh, uh, my... Uh, yeah, I'll go back, sorry. I got distracted there with that story. I don't suppose that John the Baptist, Jesus, Nehemiah or the daughters of Shalom had any idea quite where their projects and paths would end up when they began their work. Today's stories remind us that no matter how quirky or impossible our passions and dreams seem or whether our capacity to contribute is odd or teeny or a bit niche and special or huge, every one of us can contribute and change history for the better. My prayer for Elliot and for all of us is that we would be inspired to have courage and to take action on the thing that matters to us, to work hard and to work together in our various communities to build the better world that we dream of. Amen.